Hello and welcome to a new episode of the ANZW podcast, where we amplify the voice and profile of incredible women and allies in the ServiceNow community across Australia and New Zealand, bringing the voices of diversity and inclusion to you, whether you're taking a coffee break, walking the dog, or like me, constructing a snake out of paperclips. I'm Katrina Reed, a Senior Principal Strategist in the Inspire Value team, and today I'm here with Gillian Wood, our Chief of Staff for Asia Pacific and Japan at ServiceNow and star of today's episode. Welcome, Gillian. Thank you, Kat. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me to the show. We are super excited to have you here. Can we start by perhaps telling us a little bit about yourself and your career history? Sure. So if you haven't already picked it, um, having spoken to me or met me in your time at ServiceNow, I'm a Kiwi. I grew up in New Zealand and despite living outside of Aotearoa for the last 10 years, it is still home to me. My family are all based there. Uh, My husband and I have twin daughters, Charlotte and Annabelle, who celebrated their third birthday in May. And recently I've returned from maternity leave. So my son, Joshua, is eight months old. So it's a little bit about where I'm from and, and my family. I guess in terms of my career, the first role I had in tech was with EMC and I was based in Sydney. Um, I ran the sales bid desk for ANZ at that time. That continued to expand that role actually and ended up being all sorts of things. I did end up looking after enablement in ANZ at EMC and had some oversight of the APJ programs there too. And then I jumped over to lead APJ sales enablement here at ServiceNow. Um, Back then, I was still based in Sydney. It was just me. And globally, we were about a dozen people uh, in the enablement team. The total employee count was probably around 4,000 people at that time. So needless to say, a lot has changed (laughs) since then. Um, From there, I did move with ServiceNow from Sydney to Singapore. So uh, uplifted just myself and my husband, Andrew, at that time. The global enablement team, of course, now looks after all of the go-to-market roles and is obviously a lot larger as well. So as I said, a lot of things have changed. Fast forward another five years, since returning from my second round of maternity leave in May, I've been kept extremely busy uh, planning for the second half and backfilling myself in that enablement role uh, while transitioning into my current role, as you said, the Chief of Staff here in APJ. Such an exciting career to date, and I would have to say it's going to be hard to backfill you in the role before because you were the face of onboarding for a lot of us, and I don't think Shark Camp will be the same without you. Oh, hopefully I'll be invited back still from time to time. I really enjoyed Shark Camp, and uh, and I I do think that it is one of the best events that we have for our new hires as they enter service now. It is a very fun way to indoctrinate the new hires to the company. And congratulations on the recent promotion. Very exciting. Can you describe your current role for our listeners and what you love most about it or what you think you're going to love most about it, given that it is a new and exciting (laughs) journey that you're on? Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a baptism by fire so far. Um, The chief chief of staff role is certainly vast. I think every organization needs great people working together, leveraging a strong process that allows for focus and flexibility when we're executing against a solid plan. So ultimately, ultimately, my job is to make sure that the people, the process, the plan are all humming along nicely, remove the friction, increase some effectiveness by aligning all of the moving parts. 
Um, I'd have to say, fortunately, I'm not new to ServiceNow, so that makes things a little bit easier in executing against all of those things. And I guess one of the key parts of my role that I really enjoy so far is managing that flow of information across all of the cross-functional teams so that everybody feels informed and empowered to do what they need to do to maximize the value as we execute against our overall plan. And I'm guessing it probably doesn't hurt that you're part of a pretty exceptional team working for Mitch and and working alongside people like Adrian. Does that certainly make it a bit easier onboarding onto the role and getting across everything? Yeah, absolutely. And I've said this to a couple of people. I wouldn't um, put my hand up for a chief of staff role anywhere, but I certainly would here. It is a fantastic team, as you rightly said. And I do have big shoes to fill in Adrian's capacity. He did a, a fantastic job and it's great to have him still part of the leadership team and doing what he does best in closing some of our most strategic business um, as he takes on the marquee accounts and other strategic sales initiatives. Certainly the past couple of roles that you've had have spread across Asia Pacific and Japan. Is that something that you look for in a role in having that mix of or having that cultural diversity and working with different teams around the globe? Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the most exciting things about the Asia Pacific and Japan region is that it is so diverse. There's so many different cultures, there's so many different languages, and you get to learn about all of those things just being a part of the business and understanding all those diverse perspectives. It's also one of the things that we thought about as a family when we transitioned from Sydney up to Singapore was what would that mean for us starting a family and giving our children that um, opportunity to hear and experience all of those different cultures. And it's really interesting watching our girls now at three years old be able to interact and understand Mandarin and Bahasa beyond what I probably will ever be able to Uh, And they also just don't even see race or religion. They just see another person to play with. Um, And that's partly their age, I imagine, but also part of growing up in in such a diverse place. So um, absolutely love being in the hub of Asia Pacific and Japan and giving my family that opportunity as well. Yes, but which accent do they have? (laughs) <laughs> it depends on the day. I actually heard one of the other neighbors' kids ask me, which language do they like to speak um, the other day? So I think I think they have a mixture of, of accents at the moment. Um, I think my husband's accent is more Kiwi than mine, despite having an Australian passport. Um, and mine is sometimes mixed depending on who I'm speaking to. So <laughs> I don't know if they have a strong accent. Hopefully it, it won't be... Uh, it won't be too strong one way or the other, as long as everyone can understand them. I don't mind. <laughs> Perhaps we'll get them on at a future podcast and we can get yeah, the Yeah, they'd to love that. Good luck yeah. getting them to shut up, though. They love to talk, those two. It'll certainly make uh, the Olympics interesting <laughs> to see who in your family is going to go for Australia or New Zealand or Singapore or any other country that you end up in next. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, uh, my husband is originally Australian, so all of the... Uh, all of the rugby and cricket and other um, highly contested trans-Tasman test matches have been interesting in our household for a very long time. (laughs) So did you start your career in tech or did you move into tech later on? I moved into tech later on. So interestingly, actually, after doing a, a quick OE like every good Kiwi does, I came back and um, settled in at a construction and engineering firm, Downer, who are now a, a customer of ours here at ServiceNow. And I was running um, bid management for them, so on the business development team. It was an interesting place to work. 
huge tenders that we were going after, multi-million uh, dollar contracts. And I was uh, looking after major projects at that time. So sometimes running bids with um, up to sort of 50 people working on them and they were around you know, $300 million mark each each uh, sales proposal. So it was a really fascinating uh, place to learn my grounding in sales, but it moved so much slower than what tech does. Uh, and when I was looking to move on, from that role, um, I was really looking for a much faster paced environment and then landed myself in, in tech and haven't looked back. Do you have any advice you'd give to someone that wants to make that career switch into technology? I would say don't be afraid to jump in. Like uh, there's a lot of your skill set that is transferable. I think so often we get caught up on what it looks like on paper, but there are a lot of transferable skills that you can take from any job into the next. And what's some of the best advice you've received from a mentor or coach that has served you well in your career? Um, I think one of the best things I was told was don't be afraid to share where you want to go long term. It makes it very real and you're much more likely to follow through and achieve your goals once you say them out loud. So um, it does take being brave to, to share where you want to go and what you want to do, but I think it is worth doing. And then one of the other things, a little bit more tactical that someone said to me when I was looking to change companies at one point was have a think about three areas, company, role, and location, and try to just change one of those things at a time for a much smoother landing and, and quicker ramp to success. So I thought that was um, just an interesting perspective from a tactical side. I haven't heard that one before. That's definitely yeah. a new one. Yeah. He actually said to me, think of it as 33% of your role company, 33% role, 33% location, and then 1% just kind of that edge that you as a person might have. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting perspective. So let's talk tech because clearly we're both very passionate about technology. What are yeah. some of the emerging technologies that you're most excited about? Oh, tricky. Um, Obviously, always some cool advancements in the AI and ML space. So that's probably more from a business perspective. That's always interesting to keep an eye on. Um, one of the areas I actually find really fascinating is uh, genomics or genomics, just because you sort of do and don't want to know more in that space. And there's such an interesting ethical lens to using technology in that way. So that's probably where, what I find most, most interesting. So clearly very busy, um, especially currently now with the new role with moving house last week with <laughs> a, a young family, but in particular a, a new baby in the house. Um, what fuels you outside of work? Well, I, generally, of course, I would say my family. Um, I think young children in particular can demand your attention in a way that no executive phone call ever will. Um, they are always the priority for my husband and I in any big life decision. And so we continue to think of them. Although for keeping myself say, sane, I need some me time and two completely opposed things. I love baking and I always make time to exercise. So I used to swim competitively. I still spend a lot of time in the water, both independently and with my family, but most of my exercise time is spent running. So um, I don't take my phone at all and it's just me in the outdoors, nothing else. And that is bliss for someone who lives a pretty busy life. Running in the humidity in Singapore, that's, yes. that's yes. impressive. No, it's not impressive. I think it's one of those things where you go out, you come back and you're absolutely dripping and you can say to yourself, I've definitely done some exercise <laughs> just based on the pool of sweat underneath you. 
<laughs> I feel like I've exercised just walking from one shop to another. When I <laughs> so baking, what type of baking and when are you bringing some into the office for all of us? Oh, actually, you know what? A couple of years ago, pre-COVID, obviously, um, Scott Drummond's initiated a thing that was Bake for a Cause. And we used to bring baking in um, in support of a local charity here in Singapore um, that looked after um, street dogs. And that was really fun. And it did give us a chance to taste everybody's baking. So I'm not opposed to bringing baking into the office. I'm happy to do that. I'd have to say most recently, Cupcakes have been high on the ask list in our household. My husband just celebrated his birthday recently, so I had the two three-year-olds help me make a chocolate cake for him um, over the weekend. Always uh, a little more stressful than just doing a chocolate cake by yourself, but it was great fun, and I do love letting them in the kitchen. I think it's a great learning experience. So, yeah, I think cupcakes, chocolate cake. I often will make just a quick batch of um, chocolate chip biscuits. That's something that I like to have just in the freezer even. So that there's always something sweet. I have got a bad habit um, of having several cups of tea a day and I like to have a little something with them. And I'm that annoying person that will open the freezer and just break a biscuit in half and just have a half because I want a little treat with my cup of tea. I am <laughs> you not always find to half that. biscuits in my freezer. <laughs> as long as you're eating the second half, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> Have you fallen into the trap yet of creating elaborate cakes for your kids for their birthdays? Oh, look, not too bad. Funnily enough, again, they're only three years old. So this May, where they turned three, was actually the first birthday party they'd ever had because their first birthday was in complete lockdown. Their second birthday, uh, we were restricted to immediate family only. And then um, just before they turned three, a week before, Singapore um removed their limit on number of people to your house. So we just quickly messaged all our friends and said, let's let children experience a real birthday party for the first time ever. So for that one, I did do a bigger cake. Uh, they wanted rainbows and unicorns. So we had huge platters of fruit and vegetables that were all rainbow themed and then um, a cake that was a rainbow as well. So it wasn't a you know ch technically challenging effort um, but I think yeah I probably will fall onto that trap now that you say it I think I don't know if anyone else grew up with these experiences but in our house uh, my mum always had the women's weekly children's cake book and every year we had the opportunity to choose which cake we would like um, and I've always thought that I would do that for my kids as well so perhaps going into the uh, fourth birthday and and Josh's first birthday maybe I'll, I'll go down that path so I also grew up with the women's weekly Oh, book. good. I'm so pleased that you said that and that I wasn't just talking. No, <laughs> I'm, e I'm equally as old. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we, young, equally yeah, as young, oh, right? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we, my mum only once offered to cook something from it. She made the train, the chocolate Oh, the train. train. Yeah, that's a goodie. And she, never, she never went back. Like we, we were never another cake was made from that book. And we just looked at it every year and drooled over it while everyone else's households got cakes made. My mum was not a baker, but I went down the path. I made the mistake of going elaborate on birthday cakes very young. We had Ooh. Thomas the Tank Engine. We had Eagle Piggle. We had a frozen cake, like a three tier frozen cake. Ooh, and by the time, big. yeah, by the time the kids got to school, I was like, okay, I'm over this phase. <laughs> 
Sorry, kids. I'm <laughs> just buying it from the supermarket now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, maybe I'll have to get some inspiration from you. I have to ask you for some photos before I uh, embark on the next one. Yeah. Well, I'll just come and visit. Yeah, sure. Anytime. A few fun questions to wrap up. What yeah, is sure. your favorite book or podcast? I honestly have not had the chance to read a lot lately, but one of the books that I read not so long ago was Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't know if you've ever come across that. I just found that really interesting. And I thought the habit stacking thing was good for someone who's quite short on time. Um, I found it useful for just remembering to do things that I needed to do every day. That is a good book. Best movie or TV show to binge watch? Again, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I did enjoy the Outlander series that was on Netflix. And I think Billions is always an easy watch too. A place everyone must visit in their lifetime. Well, New Zealand, obviously. Um, Which part? itinerary if you decide to go. Depends how much time you've got, but I have got several uh, Excel versions of itineraries (laughs) for friends. So if you're interested, just let me know. I spend a lot of time in the Coromandel when I do go home to New Zealand, actually. We have a, a beach house down in Wangata, so I spend a lot of Beautiful. time there. Yeah. Favourite food? Cookies. Half half a cookie from the freezer. <laughs> yeah, half a cookie. Probably ice cream. That would be my sweet treat of choice. If we're allowed to count champagne as food, I'd put that pretty high up there too. I count that, absolutely. And an item you couldn't live without? I'd go phone during COVID, but now that borders are open, I'm going to go passport. Interesting. I think a lot of ours are still gathering dust. (laughs) I've dusted mine off. We took Josh down to New Zealand at one month old and uh, we've started traveling again now. Beautiful. Any final thoughts or advice you'd like to pass on to the listeners? No, I would just say, you know, enjoy every moment. I think ServiceNow is an incredibly fun place to be. It's always really busy. It doesn't slow down, so don't anticipate that it will. Um, But, yeah, reach out, uh, expand your network internally, make the most of all the fun people that are around you. Well, Gillian, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for joining and sharing your story. Thank you, Kat. It's been great. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Make sure to join our LinkedIn group to continue the conversation and connect with all of our guests on the show. You can find us on the ANZW podcast homepage, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you know someone with a great story to share, drop us a note. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week and we will see you next time.